Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. We have been in the series on unlocking right relationships. I will tell you, I don't like as much talking about unlocking relationships when I don't get to be right with you. So some of you in the crowd, I feel like I might have to pick on just a little bit. Um, but I am, I am thankful for what we have been able to do and see and accomplish here uh, over the couple of weeks that we have had. And I want to tell you that God is interested in the relationships we have. <laughs> he is interested. He is concerned. Yes, your relationship with him needs to be good, but your relationship with others needs to be good. We've talked about those that challenge us. We've talked about the supporter. You know, it's good that your mom is your supporter, but you need somebody besides just your mother. You need others in your life that also can help support you. And so tonight I'm going to try to wind this down so we can launch into October in a fresh and a new series. But I want to finish uh, this week talking about that person in our life that I believe is needed and to be a mature Christian is needed. And that person is someone who is following us. We know we need leaders. We know that we need God leading us. We know that we need a pastor in our life. We know that we need, we've taught about the supporter and the challenger, but tonight I'm going to talk about the follower, okay? So if you're sitting with someone else, I want you to look at them and say, the follower. You were taught as a child uh, by your parents probably, when they were trying to keep you out of trouble, they said, be a leader, not a follower. Now, what they were not telling you was to not be a good disciple. No, they weren't telling you not to be a good follower of Christ. They were trying to tell you that kid in class that always likes to set off firecrackers or uh, always likes to somehow get in trouble. They were trying to say, don't be a follower. Don't get yourself into situations where you're going to get in trouble. And uh, that's what they were trying to warn you about. So I'm going to tell you there is an instance here when it is good to be a follower and it's also good to have a follower. If you're going to be a mature Christian, you should be, yes, following someone who is leading you spiritually. You're accountable to them. I have been so thrilled with even the number of elders that have talked to me about our, our lesson on accountability, that person that is challenging and making us accountable and helping us in as we grow. But just as critically, let me tell you that in order for a body of water to not die, we were able to be in Israel this last year, and while we were there, we got to go and see the Dead Sea, and we got to talk about the traumatic reality of why it is that way, and it's because there is no flow. There is, it's not only the salt uh, content, but part of the reasoning is based on the flow, and if God is pouring into you, and someone else is pouring into your life, but you're not pouring into anyone else, then you have stopped the flow, and it is the intent of God that, that that would transition not just to you, but through you to someone else. And it should be healthy. 
Okay, this is critical. It should be healthy. This doesn't mean that you grab somebody and you, you're going to follow me and you're going to do what I say. No, that's, that's being a master. Okay, it's not good in a marriage. It's not good in a parent and child scenario. And it's definitely not good in the scenario we're talking about tonight where people want to follow you. So I must tell you that I had no idea when the Lord impressed so strongly upon me to preach what I preached on Sunday about Elijah and Elisha that our final lesson was taking us here. Uh, I've just got to tell you, I did not realize I had this set up and, and known where we were going for quite some time, but the Lord orchestrated it. And we're going to teach back into this relationship just a little bit. So 2 Kings is where I'm turning your attention. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. They went down to Bethel. And I've seen some that have a tendency to almost get frustrated with Elijah in this scenario. We've got the following situation we talked about. Just on Sunday, he comes by, he lays the mantle, and then he walks, and, and he says, let me go and give my, my dad a kiss, my mom a kiss, and, and I, I'll, I'll come after you. And he says, what have I done to you? Well, Elijah, you know what you've done to him. You've started this process here. It's this process for anointing. And Elisha is going to be a faithful follower. And then here in 2 Kings 2, where we're reading this, it seems like Elijah is trying to ditch him. Doesn't it? He's been a faithful follower. Have you ever, have you ever been ditched? <laughs> Maybe some of you are the younger sibling and you remember somewhere along the, uh, the line getting ditched by somebody. Let me let, let you think about that for a second. I don't know, I, I have that older brother and I can remember when he got his license, it was so great because I thought, not only does he get to go places, <laughs> but now I get to go places. The problem was I did not recognize that from his lens, I was the annoying little tag along that wanted to go. And I, I know what it felt like. Now I understand it, obviously, in full circle. But I, I know what it was like to feel ditched along the way. Anybody ever not get invited to a party? And you found out about it? It's, in this instance, it's, it's almost like Elijah invited him to the party. And then they're almost there. And Elijah says, now, nah, never mind. <laughs> You stay here. And Elisha has this kind of determination that he keeps talking. No, there's no way. I'm, I'm, I'm not leaving you. I love the way that he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave you. So let's frame this in a, in a little bit. Jump back in your scripture. I, I trust that you have it open in your living room or your bedroom, wherever you're watching this right now. I'm sure it's comfortable kick back in your lazy boy with your Bible, whether it's digital or if you're watching this on your phone and now you have to look up scripture, you have a problem. But just trust me or you can see it on the screen. First Kings chapter 17, verse 1, Elijah the Tishbite, Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years but according to my word. 
James chapter 5, verse 17 tells us, Elijah was a man just like us. But when he prayed diligently, it did not, that it would not rain, God heard him. He was, sometimes we have a, we have a pretty standard, I would say, where we, where we look at this Bible and we think, well, those people were not like me. <laughs> and if I do that, Brother Zach, if I, if I make Elijah feel really different than me, I don't have to hold my prayers to the standard of his prayers. I don't have to hold my lifestyle to the standard of his lifestyle. But if I humanize and bring the reality of these pages to life, I have to understand that if Elijah could pray like that, I could pray like that. The difference was it seems like his prayers were dovetailed into the will of God. He was praying against wickedness. Now, for the teenager out there that heard that and you think, well, pastor said if I really pray it and you want to bow by your bed and start praying for that Corvette or Mustang or whatever, remember, you've got to get dovetailed in with the desire of God and with the will of God. But Elijah was anti-wickedness. That's what he was praying against. He's praying against wickedness. Why did he pray that way? Let me ask you this. How must Elijah have felt after he prays for a drought in his own nation? Think about the critical people. Brother Stoner, I can't imagine the, the, the critics that, that would really, in today, can you imagine Elijah's prayer in today's context? If it was said that a preacher was praying for a drought, oh, not only are you intolerant, you hate humanity. You don't love people. You want devastation. Ladies and gentlemen, it is not our job to please the world. It is not our job to try to line up with social status or critiques from an ungodly world. The note we take from Elijah here is that he, he got in tune with God's, I would say, hatred for wickedness. He's praying. He's seeking the face of God. And I think it would teach us something about our own prayer lives. When we pray, let's pray fervently. Let's pray in faith believing. Well, Pastor Carson, if you believe, then, then why have we gone online for a couple weeks? Because we've also tried to use wisdom. We've also tried to use a, a, a right thinking towards those who are going to come no matter what that I'm trying to watch out for. Well, then why are we coming back this Sunday? Because I'm sick of it. And for the bulk of it, it's, I believe that most of it is behind us. And so I refuse to, remember I said a couple of weeks ago, I refuse to baptize fear and call it caution. We've tried to utilize wisdom. The reason we're coming back, I truly believe that for most people, it's completely behind us. I've had so many people tell us, thank God I'm out of quarantine. Not only do I want to go to church, I want to go anywhere. Just want to get, and those of us here have already been through it. We're saying the same thing. Once you're through the fatigue, once you're through the sickness, through the, the COVID quarantine, as the days seem to change, whatever that's supposed to be. But we're through it. And why are we coming back? We're, we're coming back to worship and celebrate together. So what does Elijah teach us here? Pray fervently and pray in the will of God. Why? Because the next, I mentioned it on Sunday, and I, again, I did not know where we were going with this, but why? Because the next generation is dependent upon you. 
the next generation is dependent upon you. So watch here in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 22. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 22. Elijah said unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450. 450. Jump down verse 44. After we go through this story that we preached about on Sunday, and if you're behind, go back and watch Sunday, but I, I won't take time to completely work through it. You can, I'm going to bookend this just a little bit. Verse 44, and he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. Some of you might remember last month, uh, Pastor Bounds, when he was here, he, he talked about this very point. When he told the servant, go up, and look toward the sea. He went up, he looked, he said, there's nothing. And he said, go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, go up, say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with the clouds and the wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. It was important to Elijah to get the servant involved. Really, this is a small precursor to what we're about to see. But look only a few verses down in this Bible study at verse 3 of chapter 19. After the Bible says that Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, then verse 2, Jezebel sent messenger unto Elijah. Verse 3, and when he saw it, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. I talked about the isolation that comes during this time of depression that Elijah was facing. But I want to talk to you about a second, a second area with this and tell you that for some people, some people, the cost will be too much. You need to know that. When you truly decide that you're going to give everything to God, you will find that some of the relationships, some of the people you're linked up with, they cannot go on with you. Hmm. Chew on that for a moment, okay? Some relationships cannot handle it. Some relationships cannot deal with it. Somebody said to me, well, we're married. Well, you put yourself into that covenant. You're there. You're bound to that covenant. It's not something you get to change like socks. Okay, but to the young man or the young woman who's not married yet or you're not dating or for the married individual that you have friendships that you know it is those friendships that stalemate you. You know that you would be at a particular place spiritually or you would have gone into a place. Did Elijah go into a deep place? Was he running it seemingly even in depression? Absolutely. But it was that level that took him to a place where beyond the wind and the rain and the earthquake, the fire, beyond all of that, he heard the still small voice of God. There are, there are relationships that cannot make it to the place where you need to hear from God. 
And you have to be able to decide whether the relationships that you have are in fact helping you or discouraging you. This is where we see the break in the relationship. Please note this. The servant was not who Elijah was meant to duplicate himself in. Think about this. We never, we never talk about this. He already had a faithful servant. He had a faithful follower here. But he was not meant to anoint or duplicate himself. If it wouldn't have mattered who, couldn't the Lord have just said, go and anoint Haziel, go and anoint Jehu, and go find your servant again. He's already... No, 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 no. It's not just, it's not just that you have a follower. It's who's following. It's who is meant, who is meant to be the, 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 the finisher or the completion of the process in your life. Parents, for some of us, we need to be careful that we duplicate the positive things of our life in our children, but not live vicariously through them. Okay? You never got to be the football star because your parents wouldn't let you, so now you're trying to make your kid be. You never got to go to this prom or to this. And so while you want them to live for God, you still give allowances for things that you think are for them. But if you're honest, they're for you. It's very important to take note of this when you consider the relationships around you. I have to do this. You have to do this. Elijah told the servant to stay. But the truth is, no matter how much he would have wanted from the servant, the servant was not going to be Elisha. He wasn't, okay? You might have someone very close in your life that if you take evaluation, listen, take evaluation. Yes, you might be able to keep them, but you're never going to duplicate yourself in them. Well, I, I really believe in them. Well, they're not a man or a woman of prayer. They're not faithful to the house of God. They don't even pay their tithes. They don't give... I know that you want to, but at some point, Elijah, you have to start listening to God for who is really... I don't want, Listen to me. I don't want to waste a year, much less a series of years. I want to speak to some of you right now that you're, you're even crossing through midlife and you're getting into some of the older years of your life. Five years to lose is not an option for too many right now. The days of duplicating yourself, they are right now. You say, well, what, what, what would someone really want with my time? What would, if you're an elder, you might think, what would someone want with my time? And I, I hit on this a couple weeks ago when I was preaching. I feel so prompted right now to tell you, we need you to duplicate yourself. Well, who would want to be like me? You're an elder that has stayed faithful to the call and the cause of God. I want you to duplicate yourself as much as you can. Find you a 15, a 16, an 18, a 25-year-old. Find some young adult and duplicate. Go to coffee with them in the morning. Don't buy them breakfast. Make them buy you breakfast. They want to. Maybe you want to buy them, but whatever it is, spend enough time so that you can, Elijah, reproduce yourself, that you can find a successor. I have found the number one reason that most people do not have a successor is because they do not believe that their life is worthy of a successor. I tell you, in the fear of the Holy Ghost, that is a lie from hell. You have been faithful 
No, you haven't been perfect. There's only one who's perfect, and his name is Jesus Christ. You're not without fault. You're not without failure. But you're also not without the grace of God. And you are not off with an excuse to not have a follower in your life. So I'm asking you to be a mature Christian, to duplicate yourself in somebody. God commanded Elijah to anoint, or I would even state it this way, to acknowledge and anoint a successor. You've got to acknowledge them. How does this happen? I will tell you how it doesn't happen. You don't just go looking across the room. <laughs> I'm going to pick me a good one out. That's not what Elijah did. If Elijah was doing that, the servant would have worked. But Elijah, in a time of prayer, heard from God. Well, I'm not a preacher. You don't have to be. I'm not a minister. You don't... You don't have to have ever stood behind this sacred desk for you to be a minister. I can't stress this enough tonight. And so you need to hear from the Lord. Allow this opportunity. And I'm praying this begins to happen like never before in our church at Calvary that there is a blending of the generations coming together where there is a reaching forward and a reaching backward where the two generations are working in harmony before more elders would be caught up to meet the Lord. Elijah is not going to die. He's going to be taken by a chariot of fire. And maybe if you're special enough to get that same kind of occurrence, whether it's by natural, whether it's by the rapture, whether it's by a chariot of fire, all I'm saying is duplicate yourself before. Duplicate, acknowledge, and anoint. And that's what he was called to do. He was called to have a successor. Why? I'll tell you why. His great years were failing him. I had a conversation with someone earlier today, a conversation about hearing aids. Can we talk real right now? For some people, it is very hard to accept the fact that you cannot hear as good as you used to. I'm not, that's not insulting, that's reality. In the conversation, the conversation went something like this. It's just hard to accept that I'm at this stage of life. I can't understand that fully not having been there. But I can understand how frustrating it must be on some level to not be able to hear like you once could or to be able to engage or interact like you once could. But it also, for those that have suffered this, you know that it allows other ripples of frustration throughout your life. People, people told you something and they didn't know. And then you're mad that they didn't tell you, but they're mad because they already did. Dealing with this, this place of life. And unfortunately, Elijah, you have to deal with the fact there's not as much time left as there used to be. Pastor, what are you saying? What are, are you, you might have, you might have 15, 20, 30 years. I hope you have a, I hope you have many decades still ahead of you. But some of you, if you would be honest right now, you'd look at it from Elijah and say, I'm not a 30 year old anymore. I don't have the same strength I used to have. But I'm going to tell you what you do have in that beautiful gray head of yours is the wisdom that we need to hear. What you do have in those hands that are a little more wrinkled than they used to be is you have the touch of anointing that we need to see. Amen? Right where you're at at home, say amen to that. 
Elisha was working in the waiting. You need to write that down. Elisha was working in the waiting even before he knew God had chosen him. Elisha did not start working after Elijah showed up. Here comes Elijah. Look busy. <laughs> Teacher ever walk in the room? Some of you travel down memory lane with me. Teacher ever walk in a room and you had to look busy? Mom ever walk in the room and you had to act like you were cleaning? Not just throwing stuff in the closet? Throwing stuff under the bed? No, Elisha didn't have to pretend. When Elijah pulled up on the scene to find Elisha, the son of Shaphat, that, that God had spoken to him about, when Elijah pulled up on the scene, there were, there were calluses in Elisha's hands. There was sweat dripping down off of his brow. He didn't have to, he didn't have to go put his shirt under the sink and try to make it look like it was sweaty. He had been working. And there's 12 yoke of oxen out there. Remember the story? He was working in the waiting. So I'm going to tell you, when you find someone to follow you, choose wisely someone that is working in the waiting. Someone that is working in the waiting. I will tell you, when I consider those that I do mentor and those that I do try to duplicate myself in, I have zero time to give to people that don't want to pray, to people that don't want to stay, to people that just want to play. I don't know. I felt like rhyming there. I... You don't want to duplicate yourself in someone that's unappreciative. You don't want to duplicate yourself in someone that doesn't want to give of their time and just wants you to give of your time. When Elijah showed out, he thought, I am recruiting a worker here. A worker Listen, our generation needs to hear about hard work. Hard work. That should not be a thing of the past. Now, the way you do it might be differently. You might not, you might not be working a, a blue-collar job. Maybe it's a white-collar job. Maybe it's the stressors are differently. But, but we don't believe in free rides of grace. And we don't believe in free rides economically. We believe in doing the work and watching it be done. And when it comes to the end, of, uh, end result of living for God, we know that our righteousness is as filthy rags before Him. No matter what, it's not going to be my works that saves me. It's not going to be my works that, that, that gets it done. I'm never going to have the right last name. I'm never going to have it all together, but I can strive to do my best. And, and here's what I would say. Thank God that when I was just a young man who couldn't really get it figured out, but I was trying. I was, I was coming to church. I was praying. I was worshiping. I was fasting. They'd let me get up and preach a sermonette. And I'm telling you, I didn't know anything but to just let it fly. Just preach and sweat my whole five minutes. I did more yelling than making any points, but thank God I had somebody that was above me in life and beyond in years that would come up and throw their arm around me and say, I want you to join me for prayer on Tuesday. I, I want us to walk. And they gave me their most important thing. I've always said for years, I've stood on, pulpit, on uh, platforms and behind pulpits that my youth pastor would have never been allowed the opportunity. And never one time has he begrudged that. Never once. But every time he's been my biggest fan, called me and texted me and said, I, I'm so proud of what you're doing.
When he found out that I was coming to pastor in Indianapolis, he texted me uh, uh, just what a joy that it was for him. And I'm going to tell you a big part of why I'm in this place. It's not because he gave me money, although he bought me a few happy meals along the way and some blizzards, praise God. It's, it's not because he gave me the ability to preach, because even the way we preach is totally different. But what he gave me was his time. He gave me his time. And I'm telling you, you may think, well, I, I, I don't have anything to give. Yes, you do. As long as you've got a little time to give. Elijah, what do you have? Not much, but you've got a little time. And so make sure someone is following you. Now, lest I exclude anyone younger, I want to pause for a moment and tell you that this is not only for the elders, because this is a principle that reaches all the way down. To our young people that are here tonight, those of you that are only in your teenage years, you need to recognize there are preteens following you. There are. And for the preteens, they need to know that there are children in the kids' church area that are following them. Well, pastor, that's a little too heavy. I don't think so. I don't think it is. Well, what about, what about those that are in the young adult years that are 20? I tell you who they're looking to. Those that are single and they're in their, they're in their uh, young adult years, maybe their early 20s, early 30s. They're often looking at those young couples that have gotten married or those that are just a, a decade or so. We have a tendency to do that looking forward. And so you should not only be following, but I would tell you, you should be intentionally leading making sure that someone is following you. And I guess the big question before I go on is, are you worth following? Are you worth following? If everyone followed your example of prayer, how much prayer would we have? If everyone followed your example of faithfulness, you know, the old adage, the old statement was, if, you, if you're out leading, you're out, uh, you're out leading and, and no one is behind you, you're, you, you say you're the, you're the leader, but no one is following after you. You're just taking a walk alone, you know. And I, I'm afraid that sometimes some leaders get so far removed from those they think they're, are following them. I, I, don't, I don't think that we need to have an elitist mentality. I think we need to be very comfortable with who we are. I can tell you I'm very comfortable with the fact that I have shortcomings. And I don't, I'm not saying I like it, but I acknowledge it. I understand it. And I will tell you it makes it easier for me to try to be accessible to the Bible college student or to the teenager that's from this church. I was able to sit down with young Mr. Hauk not long ago, and we were there, and they were playing the guitar. And I took the guitar and played a few, a few bars, a few chords, and and gave it over and he started running this little riff and I, I made him play it over and over again. I want to I make sure that I'm close enough that I'm approachable. Who, who feels that way for you? I feel, a, I feel a little weightiness in what I'm teaching tonight. Who feels close enough to you that doesn't have the same last name as you? Who feels close enough to you that didn't grow up in the same church as you or the same neighborhood as you or doesn't have even the same pedigree as you or doesn't have the same spiritual background? Who feels close enough to you that would look at you and say, I'm better spiritually because of their leadership in my life? 
And I'm not talking about just the people from a distance because I've been blessed and privileged to stand on platforms where I've received social media comments and I've received private emails from people and, and, and it happens on a regular basis. You'll run into somebody that was at a youth congress or at a camp or at a conference and they'll say that message. And I'm thankful for that. I tell you, I, I am I, I am so grateful for that. I can't even articulate clearly how grateful I am for that opportunity. But truthfully, it matters more for those who are close enough to actually have access. Can they say at a close proximity, they led me close enough with Elisha and Elijah, close enough that when they tried to pull ahead, I said, as, as the Lord lives and as thy soul liveth, I am not going to leave you. Do we allow people that close proximity? I wasn't planning on this, but I feel such a witness to do this. I want you to pray right where you're at right now. God, help us to have honest evaluation of who we're leading, who's following us. Have we discounted the need to be a leader because we didn't find ourselves worthy? If so, help us to make sure that we are reproducing what you have produced in our life. I'm asking it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. So he departed thence and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with the twelve yoke of oxen. Before him he went with the twelfth and Elijah passed by him. He cast that mantle upon him. And I'll end this point by asking you this question. What mantle do you carry? Again, ladies and gentlemen, help me here. Too many disqualify themselves saying, well, I am not in ministry. I do not have a mantle. Wrong. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, if you have been filled with the greatest thing humanity has ever experienced, you are the walking, living, breathing example. You are grace in definition. You are where humanity and deity came to get. You, you, you have the mantle. You have a mantle of grace. But while we're, here's what we do, Brother Barkus. I've seen this so much over the years. We have spoke of the mantles of previous generations with such respect, and we should. We should. I don't, I don't discard that. But, but hear this. We have made those, those old mantles something that is so unattainable. And while it looks as though it's reference, the other thing that it is, is it's excluding us from having to admit we have our own. It would, make me, it would make me deny the reality that as a mother or a father, as a sister, as a brother, as an uncle, as a grandparent, that you, you yourself, whether you are a teenager, a young adult, or even an elder right now, you have a mantle. And my question is, who has felt its weight on their shoulders? Who, who smells like you? Who's close enough to you that, that your scent, as we see in Scripture, your scent is reflected even in them? I have a close friend of mine I, that serves in a particular church. He served there for a number of years. And when you hear him talk, you can hear that senior pastor. 
Every time I hear him, I think, oh, you sound so much like them. But I, I recognize that that even happened in my own life. It was, it was many years ago. We were at a funeral in the local church there in Talmadge. And, and uh, I had been on staff for, I don't know, 10 to 12 years with Pastor Bolgren serving alongside of him. And, and we were there in the funeral. And, and, and the pastor, Pastor Bolgren, he moved over and, and, and did something. And so I moved and I just kind of got over next to him. I, I, I enjoy being able to guard and watch out and, and, and be there. I'm kind of a, a protector but also following that lead and that example. And one of the guys that was there, he looked at me, he said, what are we doing? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I just noticed he moved and then you moved. What are we doing? Is there something happening? And without thinking, it just came as an honest response. I said, I've just found that when he moves, I move. That's what I'm asking you tonight. Who moves when you move? Not... Not who moves because you have to intimidate them. Who moves because when you move, they found it just makes sense for them to move too. Who's, who's better simply because of being around you? And I'm not talking because you provide or you pay for that, their, their car insurance or you, you, you buy them. No, 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 no. Who's spiritually and I feel conviction tonight. I, I, I feel weightiness. I think it's transferring maybe through the camera. And I feel it in the room, in the sanctuary here tonight. And I, I tell you, while I, I felt the, the burden for this, I didn't feel the weightiness ahead of time like I have even during this lesson. But we must, we must make sure that someone is following us and is close enough. Look at verse 20 here in chapter 19. And he left the oxen. He ran after Elijah. He said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, right? That's what he said. Then I'll follow thee. He said, go back. For what have I done to thee? For them to be a successful follower. And if you're watching right now and you're trying to be a leader, let me, let me pause here because this is critical to know. If you're going to be a good leader, you will also be a good follower. Uh-huh. If you're going to be a good leader you will also be a good follower. I'm constantly getting suggestions on new books to be reading, to add to the library. I'm reaching out to not only peers, but to people that are above me in age. In fact, I, I was giving names yesterday to a couple of individuals that we need to reach out to them and, and see what they're doing and how they're studying. I, I've been presenting. Why do that? Because if I'm going to be a good leader, I'm also going to be a good follower so that that flow can work correctly. But I will tell you this, it takes faith in the unseen to be effective for God. It takes faith in the unseen to be effective for God. In order to be effective in ministry, we, we have to be willing to sacrifice or to break free. I think what part of what Elisha was doing here is he's breaking free from the past a little bit. When he goes and he, he kisses mom and dad. And there are, some, there are some interesting places in the New Testament where we could read about this. For the sake of time, we will not. But where we seem to be challenged on, 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 on is, he, is he looking back? Is he running here? Let the dead bury their dead. There's this whole scenario of what's really happening here. Elisha's giving us this Old Testament very clear principle. I got to move forward. How was he able to do that? Why? Elijah's life 
represented that. So that watch, when Elijah touched him, when Elijah laid his mantle, here he is, lays it on him, I would love to understand what flowed through Elisha. Wouldn't you love that, Brother Chris, to really know what did he feel? That he leaves all that. And then here's the convicting part. Even with whatever he felt, could it possibly have compared with the Holy Ghost? Those of us that have been filled with His Spirit, it was evidenced by speaking with other tongues. Could it possibly have rivaled the Holy Ghost? And yet He, he walks away from it all. He walks away, breaks free from the past to become, here it was, to become passionate about ministering to the needs of someone else. You have this, you have this series that is, that is in place, this from Elijah to Elisha, and you've got Elijah that's giving to Elisha, but it is not, it is not completely one way or the other because Elisha is giving service to Elijah. There is this working in tandem that is happening. There is, again, this multi-generational, somewhat of a conglomerate that's coming together. It's working together so that there is not only leader, but there is follower. But here was the result, that that which was following would be able to rise to the level, not not only to the level of the leader, but we're soon to find out he wants double... He wants double of what Elijah has. Elisha, Elisha, and and, and I've had a lot of fun with this over over the years. Let's go to 2 Kings, and I'll, I'll draw to a conclusion with this. I'll try to. 2 Kings 2, on this follower, this follower lesson of unlocking this right relationship. We need to know this. Last point I'm trying to make is that it, it should cost the follower something, but it is worth it. We have to believe. Y- younger people that are in the room, you need to hear me. I want you to hear me real clear, okay? If you're going to follow the, the will of God, it will cost you. It does. Some of you that are kind of in that young married, Sister D. Giovanni, you're in that place now where you're, you're still young. You're a young married. You've got kids of your own. You have found personally, it costs to follow the will of God. But it also gives. (laughs) But it costs. Everything costs. Everything costs. But it also gives. But I've got news for you. Everything gives. Even sin. The problem is the wages of sin is death. And so there can, be this, there can be this falsehood that if I follow the will of God, everything will be right because I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. It, it will still cost. Oxen will still die. You still wave goodbye to your mom and dad, Elisha. You know, we, you want to turn it into a Hallmark special where all of a sudden they, they turn around and there's mom and dad. We're coming too. It's not what happened. He walked away. So it did cost, but it's worth it. And this this last point, 
those we lead, those that are following us, they should be able to personally experience the power of God. Personally experience the power of God. So many have, have talked and questioned as to why Elijah uh, seems to be asking Elisha. I think Elijah, while it felt like just a piece of cloth, folks, listen to me. While it felt like just a piece of cloth, Elijah knew the weight of that thing. Elijah knew the weight of the mantle. You know what it has really cost you to be faithful to God. Only you know. And it was different in your life and in your personal context than for anybody else. Yes, everybody had to be faithful. Everybody had to follow. But maybe you're someone who had to follow when they got sick and passed away. Maybe you had to follow when your family denied you rather than you walking away from them. Maybe you had to follow when you lost your job and you had to be faithful anyway. Maybe you had to follow. And it's scenario after scenario. And here's the amazing thing. What makes Calvary Tabernacle is all those different scenarios come together in one unified effort saying, but it's worth it all to follow. And so in this, this last point, look at 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 9 through 13. This is where I draw the close. Came to pass... When they were gone over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you. Can't you almost play it through an irritated voice? What do you want? He's asking. You, any of your parents ever lost it on your kids when they said, Mom, 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 Mom? And you just finally said, What? Dads, they, they want to see. Hey, Dad, watch. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad, watch. Hey, Dad, watch. Hey, Dad, watch. Yes, you made yourself trip. It's hilarious. You're a comedian. Verses 7 and 8, he had saw the power in Elijah while Elijah had stood there with his mantle and he had smote the wall and he watched the power. But listen, the follower needs to experience the power. One of my favorite things, every now and then I get a text. I got to FaceTime with a, a, a young man that I mentored and tried to help and, and lead for years. FaceTime the other day. And when I see the platforms he gets to stand on, I, I've never seen him preaching to a big crowd and thought, man, I wish it was me. Because the goal is always to set the follower up for greater things. He saw the power of Elijah, and then he comes with that double portion request. What do you want? And it's like he just blurts it out, right? He just, he's eating Pringles, and he just shoots those Pringles out. I want twice. What? I want a double portion. Verse 10. Well, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, how many in the room would thank God for the nevertheless? <laughs> Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, and when you dance in the, in the humanity of the text and the relationship that's just happened, right after you told him time after time, why don't you stay here? And he said, well, if you see me when I'm taken, what? But listen, Mm. He had to be willing to follow even when he didn't know the payoff. Because you're not a good follower for the payoff. The only person you're following for the ultimate payoff is Christ. 
You don't want anybody following you just hoping you'll write them into the will. following after him. Here we have it. It came to pass. They, they were there. They went on and talked that, behold, there came what? A chariot of fire, horses of fire. It parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Spectacular. Imagine seeing this. Don't you see Elisha standing there with his mouth agape? Watch this play out. Elijah had just told him, if you see me when I'm taken, you can have it. Elisha sees him. He's taken. What does Elisha start doing? In a modern world, in a modern dog-eat-dog, this get-ahead mentality, climb the corporate ladder, you would think Elisha would be going, Woo, it's my turn to shine. It's not what happens. My father, my father. He begins to lament the loss of his leader. Verse 12, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw no more. He took a hold of his own clothes, which is all riddled throughout the Old Testament. It's a sign of anguish. He, he rent his clothes into pieces, but he does not stop there. Verse 13, he took up the mantle of Elijah. It fell from him. Did it fall or did he drop it? It came down. In a time of genuinely lamenting, he picked it up. And he personally, study back to the story, I won't take the time. The sons of the prophets had been mocking him, had been looking down from the ledge. They had been, they had been mocking him. He's leaving you, you know. And it seemed to have this current, this undertone. You've been following him, but you'll never have what he has. But neither the leader nor the follower can be deterred by the people on the outside that are not a part of this relationship. Why are you always trying to follow after him? Are you sucking up? Let's deal with that. That's terminology. Why are you always trying to be close to the pastor? Why would you go to the aspiring minister's class? Oh, you're trying to look. Oh, you're a brown noser. How about this? How about I don't care what the sons of the prophets say. I don't care what the naysayers have to say. I'm trying to be a good leader or I'm trying to be a follower, a good follower. And so it doesn't matter about the opinions of others. And he picks up, he picks up the mantle. Where is the God of Elijah? And when he, when he takes it in his hand, the double portion of the miraculous begins. I don't have time to thoroughly flesh it out. It'd be something fun for you to study if you're, if you're into it. But to note the, the ending of his life, how absolutely non-spectacular it is in comparison to Elijah's. But it was never about the spectacular moment. It was never, it was about this principle of a leader and a follower. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm done. But we wouldn't talk about Elijah nearly as much without Elisha. We wouldn't spend near the services. Elisha 
has gotten Elijah a lot of pulpit time because he was willing to duplicate himself. I want a double portion. No, I don't want you to surpass. He didn't say, he said, you've asked a hard thing. But if you're with me when I'm taking, if you can stick with it to the followers out there, to those that are out there, you, you've got to stick with it. Be a good follower. That's my challenge to you tonight. Are you following God? And do you, even if you're an elder, do you have a voice of authority in your life, someone that you're following? And then the second question, and the final question, and unlocking this right relationship, who's following you? Who are you giving that time with? Lord, I thank you for our time together. I thank you for the witness of the Holy Ghost that I have felt. I feel like you have spoken to me tonight. I feel like you have some, just confirmed some things in my spirit. We've gathered here tonight. We're on the heels of a tragic loss from an incredible young man, young Quincy. And I, I understand that tomorrow we will sit and we will stand in that service and we will see a young man that seemingly in our life and our eyes has been taken too soon. But you are infinite in your wisdom and your word challenges us. It challenges us to consider whether or not we are giving the best of ourselves to the generation following us. Help me to live the words I've spoken as you have so challenged and impressed them upon me. I thank you for it. I pray your blessing upon the amazing Calvary Tabernacle family. Bring us together Sunday. I pray you'd take any fear, trepidation away. Bring us together in mighty droves for a powerful service. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful night.